Welcome to the Spread of Grace podcast, where we tackle pressing questions from church leaders in villages around the world. You are fighting the good fight of the gospel. You are on the front lines caring for God's flock. The Bible is your spiritual weapon, and we are here to help you handle God's truth with precision. So let's open God's Word together and prepare to study, believe, and preach. Welcome everyone to part two of this really crucial pair of episodes about what the true gospel is and how it relates to some of the major false gospels that are out there, particularly the prosperity gospel that is uh, plaguing much of the church around the world and especially in Africa. In this episode, we're sitting down with Josh McLaren along with two Ugandan pastors, Pastor Joachim and Pastor James. So get your Bible and prepare for the second episode of What is the True Gospel versus False Gospels. Well, your original question is, you know, how is it different than all of the other Mm -hmm. Gospels, right? Mm -hmm. Well, think about any Gospel that you hear. Okay, let's take, for example, Prosperity Gospel. Mm -hmm. The essence of the Prosperity Gospel is come to Jesus, okay? Okay, that part sounds good. Come to Jesus part. Yeah, that, that I think we could say, that's part of the gospel. You're, we're, we're coming to Christ, we're believing. But they're saying, this is what you get. You're going to get all of your sicknesses healed, mm-hmm. and you're going to become rich. Yeah. He saves and heals. Okay, so where is that in the gospel? Where is that in what Paul just explained? That second half. Nowhere. It's nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's not even there. Somebody's making this up. Yeah. There's nothing about sin. There's nothing about the atoning work that Josh talked about on the cross, the propitiation for sin. There's nothing. And where's the resurrection? What did Christ actually rise from the grave for? Our justification yes. for the found, founding of our faith, our Christian mm-hmm. faith, for our hope, an eternal hope, mm-hmm. right? These in God's mind, it is an eternal life. Now, the great thing is that that gospel, if we were to study throughout the scriptures of what that's going to be like, mm-hmm. well, when we get to Revelation, we're told, guess what? He's going to take all those, he's going to take away sickness. Yep. Yeah. He's going to take away, everything's going to be provided for. But why? It's because there will be no more sin. Mm-hmm. The sin is the problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're still in this flesh. We are still in this world right now. And there is no promise that everyone is going to be healed of every disease. Mm-hmm. I've not seen him. This, in here in this life. Mm-hmm. And there's no promise you're going to be rich. Mm-hmm. In fact, many of us are not going to be rich. Well, mm-hmm. even Jesus said the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Foxes have holes. And uh, I can't remember what the second illustration is. But he's, he's showing you that those who follow will need to die to themselves, take up their cross, and follow Christ, because even the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, like, I think about how Paul talks to Timothy. Take wine for your stomach's sake. Why, why does he say that? He was suffering with a stomach He's suffering, issue. Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's suffering with a literal physical illness. Yeah. But, Josh, could you talk about, like, you know, like Peter, mm-hmm. when he writes about 
by his stripes you are healed. By mm. his wounds we are healed. What's Peter by talking about? By his wounds, about? yes. So actually, uh, that's First Peter 2, I believe. Yeah. Why don't we turn there? I'll just read it quickly. First um, Peter 2. So uh, in this section, uh, Peter is quoting from Isaiah 53, I believe, or at least he's referencing it. So he says, uh, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? This is 1 Peter, Peter, oh, Peter 3, excuse okay. me. I need to be in 1 Peter 2. Mm. Here we go. Uh, he's talking about um, the, probably the application of the gospel, I yeah. would think. Suffering, mm-hmm. There's suffering saints yep. that Peter's writing to. They're under the oppression of the Roman government. And yes, just yes. all the suffering happens. Yeah, so right? chapter 1 is all about this reality that we've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ. So what does the resurrection of Christ do from the dead? Gives us a living hope. Yep. Uh, through the, the resurrection of Christ to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Where is it kept? Not on earth. It's kept in heaven for us. Right. And, and when people will try to claim that you can take out your bank account from heaven. I think that is not true. And that's not true. And, and that is taking uh, liberties and becoming inventive with the word of God, which is dangerous, very dangerous. So then in chapter 2, as an application to this, uh, Peter is describing suffering. He says, what credit is it if when you sin and you are beaten for it, you endure? So what good is it if you, are, if you sin, you do something wrong, you're beaten and you endure? You're just getting what you deserve at right. that point. <laughs> and so, and the, and the topic here is sin. Yeah, mm. it's sin. It's sin. It's, sin. Yeah. it's an issue of sin. Mm. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Just like so many men and women who have been killed for their faith and preaching the gospel faithfully, it is good in the, it's a gracious thing in the sight of God. Uh, for to this you've been called. We have been called to suffer for doing good. Because Christ also suffered for you. So he's about to use the suffering of Christ as an example for us to suffer well. Leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, think about uh, the the Roman guards who beat him, who spit in his face. Think of the, the Jewish leaders who were calling him names and mocking him, saying, if you're the son of God, take yourself from the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, he committed no sin. He, he, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten. He turned the other cheek, continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So Christ entrusted himself to God. And then this is where he's referencing Isaiah. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. He's our substitute. Bearing our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So in this context, uh, Peter is not speaking about our physical healing through the death of Christ. Mm -hmm. What does he say? Mm -hmm. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. So Christ is healing spiritually. Mm -hmm. He's healing spiritually. He's bearing our sins in his body on the tree that we might what? Die to sin. Uh, forsake our former life and live a righteous life after Christ. By his wounds we've been healed. Uh, so this is not speaking of physical healing. This is speaking of spiritual healing. Because yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I come from uh, Exodus 23. Can I stop you one more time? Yes. Okay, so 
that's, that's up to verse 24. Then after verse 25, Peter continues to reinforce his point. You were straying like sheep. He brings up the reality of sin again. Mm-hmm. You were straying like sheep. Therefore, you needed to be healed, not physically, but spiritually. You've now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. souls. Mm-hmm. So it's through Christ that our souls, our spiritual uh, reality of living as a, as a men and women made in God's image, that we're saved spiritually we're healed spiritually and we return spiritually to the god who made us yeah mm-hmm. so uh if uh if that means spiritual healing mm-hmm. so it will not mean that if i believe christ then i shall not fall sick correct and if you fall sick it's not that, much that, that you will be healed because in uh let me give you where that comes from mm-hmm. exodus 23 they say, you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. Mm-hmm. You won't lack food. Mm-hmm. And I will take sickness away from among you. And none shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I, I will fulfill the number of your days. Nobody will die young. Is he talking to Christians there? Mm-hmm. So that's the question. Is he talking to Christians? This is the word of God. Mm-hmm. Is Exodus... Who's speaking there? God. Who's he talking to? Christians? Who is he talking to? He's speaking to Israel. He's speaking to the nation of Israel. God's plan through the nation of Israel, which clearly is explained in Exodus. Okay, Really, Exodus uh, 19.20, as he gives the law, he's, he's saying that Israel, you are going to be a light to the nations. Mm-hmm. I redeemed you out of Egypt. Yeah. And you are now going to be a light to these nations. And he, in this text, is, this, is, this is what's called the law, right? And the law was uh, developed. God used the same pattern of law that, that was being used by the um, society around them at that time. He used a particular type of treaty that mm-hmm. looked a lot like that. And, and the way that those treaties worked was that a conquering king would come into a region that he would conquer. And what he wanted to do was sort of win the hearts of those people that he conquered. And he would come up with a covenant, a law, a covenant agreement. Mm-hmm. It's like in a marriage covenant, right? You have an agreement to establish the relationship. This king would, it was called a suzerainty vassal treaty, and he would make this agreement, and he would say, you do this, you do all these things, you live this way, and in return, I'm going to protect you, I am going to do all of these things to benefit you, I'll take care of you financially, I'll take care, you know, I'll, I'll make sure that you have enough food, that you have enough water, that you... Um, uh, and that you're protected. But you have to obey the rules that I set out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yahweh, okay, the Lord God, used that same pattern, that same type of mm. agreement. Yeah. And the law is patterned the same way. Okay, so, so he, he lays it out. Ten commandments. You obey these things. Okay? Mm-hmm. I, in turn, will do this for you, Israel. Why did God use that method? I, I truly believe that God used that method because Israel was living in the context of all these nations. God was, God's plan was to use Israel to be that light to all these nations. So as they all followed their 
deity kings, they're deities, you know, there's false gods. He was putting he was putting his approval to show I am the one true God. Mm-hmm. And if you live this way, all these things are going to happen. You're going you're you're not going to get sick like everyone else does. You're you're you know, you're going to have uh, prosperity in the land of Canaan mm-hmm. in a way that is going to show that Yahweh is the one true God. Mm-hmm. Okay, But remember, this is Israel. This is the old covenant. Okay, And if Israel did these things, God would bless them. Mm-hmm. He would keep that, his covenant. Yeah. But now, what happened to Israel? They didn't keep their end of the bargain yeah. Yeah. at all. Yeah. right? God sent the prophets to cause them to repent of their mm-hmm. problems. And the prophets promised that, guess what, in Jeremiah, you know what? There's going to be a new covenant coming. Mm. A new yeah. covenant. And we know now from the New Testament writers, it's a new covenant in Christ's yep. blood. Jesus and, not and it looks different. So the old is done away, the new has come. So in that sense, those promises in Exodus are given specifically to Israel. Yeah. It's the, very clear. In the author, if you just read a few verses above, so this mm-hmm. is something that happens in the prosperity gospel. A proof text is taken right. to fit the preacher's agenda. <clears throat> right. Uh, so if you just read a few pages above, uh, the writer, the author, actually puts it in a historical context. When my, verse 23, 23, 23, Exodus 23, 23. Mm. When my angel goes before you and brings to you to the Amorites, to the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I blot them out, you shall not bow down to their gods nor serve them nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God. You, Israel, shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from you. Notice that those promises are in a historical context. Mm-hmm. It is when God, his angel, goes before them and brings them into the land of Canaan. Not now. Right. Yes. Ah, thank you so much. Now, yes, Kim. Yeah. Now we've learned about the gospel. Mm. They have taught us the gospel. Yes. About the death of Jesus Christ for our sin. His burial proved that he died. The resurrection after three days according to the scripture. Now, can you relate the, what the gospel is, what the true gospel is, to the what we have been hearing, the false gospels. Come to Jesus, you will be healed. You will not be barren like you've told us. None of your crops will die. Or you will live a happy life. Mm. Can you please draw a straight line between the false gospel and a true gospel? What is a true gospel in relation to what we've yeah. been hearing? I, I really want to thank Josh and, and Pastor Mike uh, for what you have shared because it really shows the, the, the contrast. Mm. It shows the, the clear difference. Because all other Gospels, all other preachings, they will not talk about Christ's death for our sin. But they will say Christ died for ourselves to benefit. Mm. And they will list down mm-hmm. what we shall get from him. And they will still read it from this book. Mm-hmm. Like we read from Exodus. Mm-hmm. They will not tell you the context of that. So they will say, if God said, serve him and you will not fall sick. They will ask people to serve. And the first way to serve is through offerings and tithes. Mm. So if you serve God that way, then the blessings he, he promised Israel 
mm-hmm. and Moses, mm-hmm. they'll be yours today. Mm-hmm. So you find people in church 10, 20 years, they've not known that Christ died for their sin. Mm. How sad is that? Mm. Mm-hmm. That they were to die, but by God's mercy, Christ died mm. in their place. Mm-hmm. And they are serving in church. They leave one country to another country to take the gospel, and that's the gospel they take. Mm. Which Paul says in Galatians is no gospel at all. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because it's not good news at all. If, if he says, if anyone comes and teaches you anything different from what you've given, if even an angel, even, even an angel, an angel. Came, which we know <laughs> demons are fallen mm-hmm. angels, right? <laughs> but so I, I really see that this uh, discussion has been good to mm-hmm. put across the clear, true gospel of Christ. And whoever watches and God, uh, God willing, you will be able to see that. For the years you've been under this teaching, mm. what has been the core message that is taught? Is it come to Jesus and get this and this and this? Yeah, did really Christ die so that you get a visa to US? <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. And I would even I would just even how many times have you been promised something and you've done the things necessary and nothing's happened? And then the justification for nothing happening by the false teacher is you didn't have enough faith. Mm. Never in scripture is that an excuse because God gives us our faith. And never in, in scripture uh, are we told to, to do and you'll get mm. based off of the the, the grace of Christ in the gospel. Now, mm-hmm. we obey not to get, but out of worship. Yeah. Yeah. We live holy lives not to earn or uh, long to gain, mm-hmm. but because God has loved us so much that yeah. he sent his one and only son. Mm-hmm. And we do it out of a, a means of worship. So I would just ask, truly consider. Consider your life and your experiences. Mm-hmm. Pastor Mike, you have five minutes. Okay. And someone is going to watch this. Uh-huh. Would you please share the gospel with that person? The gospel is from 1 Corinthians 15. We know that Christ died for your sins. Now, what are sins? Sins are those things that we have committed against a holy, holy God. That the one true almighty God of all the universe. It is breaking his law. It's going, it's doing things that would go against his nature and his character. You know, I, I, I and, and, and these things, they result in God's wrath and judgment. I mean, Romans chapter 3 is very clear, right? That we are condemned. We stand condemned. No one does righteous, mm-hmm. not even one. Our mouths are like open graves, all in Romans 3. And the wages of that sin is death. So where does that leave us? It leaves us as sinners before a very holy and righteous God who rightly deserve his wrath. Now you may be sitting there saying, you know, Mike, I haven't really done anything bad. I've and I would ask you, have you ever told a lie? The answer is probably yes. Have you ever 
been angry with someone to the point that unrighteously, do you know that Jesus says that if you are unrighteously angry at a neighbor, you basically killed that neighbor. It's, it's the same as murder. You can read it in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, if you have lusted over someone ever, have you ever lusted over someone? Mm-hmm. The answer is probably yes. You know, Jesus says that, well, basically you're an adulterer at heart. If, if you're lusting over someone, you've already committed adultery with that person in your heart. So, so I mean, in just a, a very brief way, we see that our sin, as little as we think it is, has resulted in people who are liars, murderers, adulterers at heart, thieves. Your sin is the issue. That's the problem. We have rebelled. God, in his righteousness, as a right judge, has to deal with that sin. Mm-hmm. He must deal with the sin. The other day I met with somebody in, who, who has a young daughter, and I said, you know, what if someone stole your daughter, they kidnapped your daughter, and did evil, terrible things to your daughter? Then that person was caught and brought before a judge, and that judge just uh, said, give your defense. And that, that, that man who, who stole the woman, and, and, or stole that little girl, and did such evil things, said, well, judge, I've done all these good things. This is the first bad thing that I've done. I've done all of these good things in my life. Let me ask you something. If that judge said, oh, okay, I see all those good things, it's okay, go free. <laughs> Would that mother say that this is a righteous judge? Would you say that's a righteous judge? No, that would be an unrighteous judge. That judge must deal, and he must penalize mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form for this terrible act. Or else he would not be a good and righteous judge. Mm-hmm. So let me say this, that because God is wrathful shows us something. It shows that he is a righteous and good judge. Mm-hmm. What's amazing and what makes the good news good news is that is this. Christ died for our sins. Yeah. He literally is the son of God, came, was, is, was created the, the world, and he came down in the form of a human. Mm-hmm. He lived a righteous life, fully righteous, and he died on the cross as a sacrifice. He took our place. And he paid the price by shedding his blood. That literally means, that's the word, redemption. He, he shed his blood for the remission of our sins. To pay that debt that we owed to God as sinners. That through faith in that work on mm-hmm. the cross, mm-hmm. our sins would be atoned for. It would be paid for. So that God's wrath is satisfied. So that when Christ was on the cross, God was pouring out the wrath that you deserved. Jesus died, mm-hmm. but he also rose again. And that resurrection proves that the sacrifice he made on the cross truly was accepted by God. So that now, in Romans chapter 10, it tells us this. That if we would confess with our mouth, mm-hmm. if you would confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord, and that if you would believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Mm-hmm. That's the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do we do? We say, 
I have been a sinner. I'm turning away from that sin. Mm-hmm. I'm repenting of that sin. And I am turning to Christ, his work on the cross and in the resurrection in faith. Mm-hmm. And I'm putting the entire weight of my life upon Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And you know, if that's you, and you would believe in Jesus in that way, you will be saved. Mm-hmm. To all of our students and pastors out there in the villages of the world, we really hope that today's episode encouraged you. This is Pastor Mike encouraging you with the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 4. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God.